of uh, uncharted territory. We've been talking about for the last three or four weeks and uh, all the things that God does in our lives to, uh, that we're not prepared for that He is. And uh, last week we talked about some of the crummy stuff that's going on in our world that we're living in. That the idea is the world behind us is nothing like the world in front of us. But today we're going to talk about um, something, something that everybody loves. Okay? Everybody loves to hear this word. It's a very short word. It feels good to say it a lot of times, and it certainly is good to hear it when you're asking for something. It's the word what? Yes. We love to hear the word yes, don't we? When we're asking for something, your kids, they love it when they're asking, can I have, this? Can I have some ice cream? Uh, yes. The alternative is what? No, nah, that's just, that's mucky. We don't like that. We don't like that dirty word, no, because it's negative, and it brings us down. It just sounds bad, no, right? Very rarely do we say no, that it's not like almost derogatory, right? So we want to hear the word yes, right? Everybody say it together, okay? Look at your neighbor right now and say yes, okay? Our lives seem to be wrapped up in this series of yeses, right? For example, um, we say yes to a him or a her, Okay, August the, the 2nd, 2003, Angie and I stood in front of this church, uh, in, in, front of a, in a beautiful church, and said yes to each other. Uh, we say yes to that job, okay, or a career that we're going to go towards. We're studying in college. We're doing those things. We say yes to that. We say yes to, maybe, you know, we've, we've been looking at it for a while, and we've toured a few homes, and now it's time to say yes to a home that we want to buy. And... Um, honestly, we, we get this joy when the person that we offer the money to to buy their house says yes. Okay, so it, it, it has multiple layers. We say yes to starting a family. Okay, it's time. We want, we want kids running all over the place. It's time to start. Let's say yes to that. We say yes to littler things too, like where do you want to you go to so-and-so for lunch? Yes. Okay, those are the easier things, right? But our lives are wrapped up in a series of yeses, and we have a lot of those things in our lives. But the bottom line today is this, that our lives are shaped by our yes in Jesus. Now, we say yes to a thousand things a day, but if we don't say yes to Jesus, it's not near as important, right? So our lives are, are wrapped up in that. And so today, as we wrap up this time of uncharted territory, in the uncharted territory, uncharted territory of our life, in a world that, this, that we live in that's unstable and unkind and basically evil, we seek to say yes to a God that loves us enough to send his one and only son to die on a cross for us. And that would be called our biggest yes. Our biggest yes that we could ever say is one yes to Jesus. Amen? So the biggest yes in your life, that the one that we say to Jesus, it it's actually comes without a plan, right? No roadmap. We say yes, and we faithfully follow, okay? That's the idea, that we say yes without a plan. And in Scripture, there's a few people that do this. Um, we're going to be in Genesis chapter 12 for just a moment, and if you want to find that in your Bible, Genesis chapter 12, there's a guy named Abram and his wife Sarai. 
and uh, eventually they become Abraham and Sarah, but now they're just Abram. And Abram is just hanging out in Ur, Ur of the Chaldees. Um, I'm glad my hometown is not named Ur, right? Um, where are you from, Ur? Okay, your, your hometown is a sound, it's not a name. So Abraham is our example of saying yes to God without a map, without a plan. And in Genesis chapter 12, verse 1, the Lord says to Abraham, he says, uh, the Lord has said to Abram, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land that I will show you. That's it. He says, go. Go from your country, from your land, from your family, from your fatherhood, from your father, and leave to a place that I'll show you. He, tells, he just says, leave, right? Notice the lack of detail that God gives to Abraham, okay? We, we don't see any detail. He just says, leave, and I'll show you where to go, right? Doesn't give Abraham a map. Doesn't give uh, a bullet point list of sites to see on the way to wherever he's going. Doesn't tell him, you know, this, you know, when you used to print out MapQuest, you still do that, anybody? When you, you would get a turn by turn, you know, go for three quarters of a mile, turn to right, go and merge. I mean, it was ridiculous how specific it was. But we didn't get that. He just says, God just tells him, get up, leave your country, go where I'm going to tell you to go. So what you know about God and what you know about Abraham, how many of you, when God came to you right now and said that, what do you say? I, I'm on board. I'm just get up and go, and I'll tell you when you get there. We'll just say, this is where I want you to be. It's hard, right? It's hard to even fathom that. And, and God does tell Abraham the reward. He tells them, okay, say if your yes is going to mean this right here. If you say yes, here's what it means. And, and we read on. In chapter 2, the Lord says, I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who curse you. And, I will, and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. A couple things. It would appear that God wants Abraham to know that he's going to be blessed. Because the word's used like nine times in two verses, right? But again, God, he leaves out a lot of detail. He says, this is what's going to happen, right? He says, I will, I will, I will. And when God says, I will, what does he do? He will, right? He does it, no problem. God doesn't go back on those things. And Abram says yes to this plan without a map. And how do I know? Because of the next couple of words in, in verse 4. So Abram went as God had told him. It's that easy. Abram went just as God had told him. Abraham's yes was a yes without a plan, right? right? God just told him what, what's going to happen if you say yes. And how many questions did Abraham ask in that, in that passage? Did we see any? How many questions did he say, I don't know, God, can we wait till you know, next Thursday when the paycheck comes and then we can go and, you know, all those things? Matter of fact, we don't see Abraham say anything. Not one word, right? In Scripture, it's just God talking. And no, uh, you know, not one question about where they would go, because that would probably be the number one thing. If God said, hey, I want you to leave your home and leave your family and get up and go, what's the first question we were asked? Well, where are we going? 
You, you tell your kids, hey guys, let's go, uh, let's go get in the car, we're going to leave. What's the first question they ask? Where are we going? Yeah, well, none of your business, we're just going, okay? We can't leave you alone. So, uh, so not one question from Abram, hey, where are we going, God? Not, not a question about, you know, what should we take? We've talked about uncharted territory and the core of discovery and how they carried their canoes, but they didn't bring any snowshoes. They were unprepared. Maybe that would have been a good thing to, to, to ask God. Hey, God, um, what should we take? Uh, should we take tents? Should we take, you know, enough food for a week? How long are we going to be on the road? Stuff like that. Not a question about who they should take with them, right? And he doesn't say, hey, a lot um, is going to go with you, and that's going to be a mess. But he's going to go because he's family, all right? And you just take him with him. Abraham just said yes. And how did he do it? He didn't say yes. He just did it. He said yes with his actions. He followed what God had asked him to do. He says yes without a plan. And then, then there's uh, uh, another A name in Scripture that we find in the New Testament. And you can find that with me in Acts, in the book of Acts, chapter 9. And we meet this guy named Ananias. Ananias says yes. And even though God, God offers a little bit more of a specific plan of what he should do, he doesn't give him the whole plan, and he doesn't uh, tell him what actually is going to come about because he says yes. So there's a guy named Saul of Tarsus, and we probably have all kind of heard this story, but Saul was, uh, was commissioned by the chief priest to go and round up the Christians and let's, let's take care of them. And he was killing Christians. He was persecuting them. He put them in jail. And Saul is headed to Damascus, and God gets his attention. He has this encounter with the living Christ, right? Bright light comes down, blinds Paul, knocks out the people around him. And uh, he says, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And Saul's like, I don't even know who you are. Well, it's me. It's, it's Jesus. And he, he's blinded. And he ends up going on. And um, we, we, he has, uh, Ananias has a vision from the Lord. He, the Lord comes to him and says, uh, and he's just one of the early disciples. Ananias, remember the day of Pentecost happened? 3,000 people were saved and baptized, and their number was added to every day. And Ananias was one of those people. He was just a follower of, of Jesus. Post-resurrection, post-ascension, he, he was impacted by the gospel, and he's doing what he can in the early church. And the Lord calls him with some very specific details. In chapter 9, in verse 11, the Lord talks to him, and the Lord says, Go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. In a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. So, Abraham gets zero detail. Just get up and go. Ananias um, gives him some very specific details. Hey, whose house am I going to? Judas. Well, where does he live? He lives on Straight Street, right? Who am I looking for? A guy named Saul of Tarsus. He's waiting there for you. So much so he's waiting because he even knows your name. He's seen a vision from God that says, Ananias is going to come and heal your eyes. So very specific plan, right? And he gives, him, he, he gives all this. But notice the difference between Abraham and Ananias. What does Ananias do? Um, uh, how, many, how many questions did Abraham ask? Zero, right? 
but, but he, it was the zero plan. He, he just went. He got up and went. Ananias, he kind of shares some concern with the Lord um, because he knows what kind of person that Saul was. And in verse 13, we read, Lord, Ananias answered. So Ananias is like, uh, he gets this message from God, which probably was startling enough. And he goes, okay, Lord, do you, he says, I've heard many reports about this man and all the harm that he has done to your holy people in Jerusalem. And he's come here with the authority from the chief priests to arrest all who call on your name. So Ananias is like, um, God, so God's looking for this yes from Ananias right off the bat because he knew the details of the plan. And we don't always get those details, but Ananias is like, God, do you know? Do you know who this Saul guy is? Um, and and um, he just kind of reminds, clarifying with God, okay, Saul of Tarsus, the one who's been killing all the Christians, just like me. You want me to go to him? He knows I'm coming, so I can't sneak up on him. And he, he tells God, no, this, this is the guy. And God knew exactly what he was doing. And God gives him the reason, and he says in verse 15, But the Lord says to Ananias, Go, this man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. So I will show, and I will show him how much he will suffer for my name. That last line right there. I'll show him. So he has already created a lot of hurt for Christians. And God tells him, listen, this is, this is my job to make sure he understands what he's done. But God tells Ananias in the, the end game. He shows them the end of the story, right? If any, are any of you that kind of person that when you're reading a book, you go to the end to figure out, yeah, you read the last couple pages to figure out what happened, and then you fill in all the details from that? So God gives Ananias a little glimpse of the end game. If you say yes, this is what's going to happen. Ananias says yes, and how do I know? Because it says Ananias went to the house, and he entered it, just like that. Again, he says yes, Maybe audibly, but for sure with his actions. And both Abraham and Ananias, they say yes to what God's called them to do. A little bit different detail, a little bit different going on. And, and, and they say yes to being used as part of God's plan. And God wants our yes. Do you believe that today? God wants our yes that he's seeking us out. He wants our yes without knowing the plan. He wants us to follow him faithfully. That's what our yes means to him. And God doesn't show Abraham the ending of his story. He doesn't say um, exactly what's going to happen. He just promises to make him a great nation. I'll bless your name. I'll bless your family. You will be blessed. And the people who don't bless you, I'm going to curse them. Okay, so this is what's going to happen. He doesn't say, all right, Abraham, here's how it's going to happen. You get up and go, and here's how I'm going to work. At 99, you're going to become a dad. And then I'm going to ask you to sacrifice that only son on an altar without any, without any reason. I'm just going to tell you to do that. You're not going to end up doing that, but uh, your great-grandson, Joseph, is going to get sold by your other grandsons to some slave traders, and he's going to end up in Egypt. And because of that, here's what's going to happen, Abraham. Abraham, he's going to save his brothers, his whole family, your whole family, okay? 
and uh, he's eventually going to, they're going to make it to the promised land where you're living right now. And eventually, 42 generations later, the Messiah, the chosen one to save God's people is coming through your bloodline, all because you say yes. Abraham doesn't see that, does he? <coughs> he just goes. God blesses him. God follows through. And it takes literally thousands of years to unfold. You think that if God would have showed Abraham all of that, that he still would have said yes? Maybe. I don't know. We don't have to worry about that because he said yes without knowing the plan. That's what God wants from us, right? God doesn't show Ananias the very end. He tells him, hey, Saul, who's going to be Paul, he's going to be my chosen instrument. So that's an important piece of detail. He just tells him that Saul's going to be my guy. And that's, that should be enough, right? He doesn't tell Ananias, okay, Ananias, you say yes, you go heal Paul's eyes, and you're going oh, you're, you're to heal him, and he's going to follow God for the rest of his life. And he's going to travel throughout all the countryside, planting churches everywhere. He's going to be the catalyst for the early church. And he's going to direct so many lives towards Jesus. He'll write letters to all those churches that will eventually impact lives of Christians for centuries to come and are still going on today. And he doesn't, he doesn't tell Ananias, okay, you do this. Um, Paul's going to end up being in prison, which he's done that to many people. He's going to end up being killed for his faith. But because of him, the gospel will eventually be shared through virtually the entire earth because of the work of Paul. You think if God would have said that up front to Ananias, he would have said, oh yeah, let's do it. That would have been a little easier yes, right? Other, I, I know, first of all, I'm going to live. Saul's not going to kill me. And then I know that your name, God, is going to go throughout the entire world because of this one person. So for us, for you and me, God is looking for our yes without a, without a plan, right? Without showing us the end of our story. Why? Now why? If, if God shares the details of our lives, what would we do? If God gave us that bullet point plan, like he could have given to Abraham, like he could have given to Ananias, we, what would we do? Yeah, we would, we would immediately go out and figure out on our own, how are we going to get there? Okay, this is the end point. God says this is where we're ending up. How are we going to do this, right? We'd insert our own opinion on how to get there. We'd insert our own solutions to the problems that are, we see along the way on how to get where we're going. We would see the outcome and begin uh, on the other end. We'd start unpacking all the insecurities that we have. Like, you want me to go there, God? There's no way I could do that. There's no chance I'm strong enough to, to make sure that I get to the point that you've, you, you, the point you've given me. And we run ahead of God, right? With our own ideas and our own thoughts instead of letting God take care of the details and following Him faithfully. When we know the outcome, we begin to modify the plan and, uh, in a way that we would see it in our human hearts. And a lot of things in our lives, I think you could probably look in through your life. A lot of things in your life probably happened beyond your control and were only in God's control, right? 
Instead of having this faith that we need to see it the way God sees it, we would just start in, in giving our own input. So God wants our yes without knowing the plan, without having to give us every single detail. And he doesn't show us what the end looks like. He doesn't show us um, how many people are going to be in our family, what's going to happen to those people. He doesn't unveil that to us. He just asks us to follow him and give him our biggest yes. He tells, uh, and then he tells us, listen, I'm going to be with you. That's what I plan to do. And he knew, um, he knows what the end game is for each one of us, right? But if he told us that, do you think we would say yes? Do you think that we would say yes if we knew that that divorce was going to happen and, and, and really wreck your life? Do you think that we would say yes if we knew that after 14 years you were going to lose that job that you said yes to? Do you think that we would say yes if we knew um, what intense pain that would cause in our lives, in our family? Do you think we would say yes if we knew about the struggles that we would face when trying to start a family? Because that happens to lots of people. Do you think we would say yes if we knew about the diagnosis that our spouse is going to receive? Do you think uh, if God would have said all of that stuff up front and said, are you on board? You're going to say yes? Makes it hard, doesn't it? Would your answer still be yes? It would take a really, really strong person in faith to be able to say that knowing this just world of obstacles are going to be in your way and trusting that God is going to get you through those. So for us, God wants our yes without the, without the plan, right? He makes us the promise that he'll be with us if we faithfully follow him. He knows that in this life we will have hurt and trials and betrayal and heartache and pain. He gets that. And he goes so far as to tell us like he did last week in John 16, In this life, you will have trouble, right? But what does he say immediately after that? Take heart, right? Be at peace with the fact that I've overcome the world. There's, there's one person. You know, we, we talked about Abraham. We've talked about Ananias and their yes without knowing the plan specifically. Many of us have said yes to God. No matter what, God, yes. But there's one person that, that knew what was going to happen. He knew the end game. He knew um, how it all unfold, and he said yes anyway. See, Jesus didn't want us to say yes um, without having gone through what we're going through already. So he comes to earth, and he sets the example, and he gives us a reason to say yes to him, right? He shows us that saying by saying yes, what God can do in our lives. God, he, he promised to send the Messiah, right? He, he shows us that um, he's going to take care of us, and God provides a way for our forgiveness of sin through Jesus dying on the cross on this earth. And he, he has the power over sin and over death, and he, show, he knows the end game of what the resurrection of Jesus is going to do for us. Jesus knew what would happen. He knew that when he came into this world, what was going to go on. He knew he was going to be born in a barn, right? He knew he would grow 
He'd grow up as a kid, as a, as a teen, as a young adult, just like everybody else would. He knew that he'd live for 33 years, and he would never sin. That even though he was tempted by Satan, he would never fall to the temptation of sin. He knew that he would have to teach his disciples, the, those 12 guys that were following him, and he would have to teach us what it looks like to love one another. In a short amount of time, he had to teach everyone in the world what it looks like to love one another. He knew that when he invited Judas of Iscariot to follow him and be a disciple, one of his chosen 12, that eventually Judas would betray him. He knew that he would be wrongfully accused and arrested. He knew that the crowd would pick Barabbas. He knew that he would be beaten beyond recognition. He knew that the cross would be so heavy that he couldn't even carry it. And he knew that the nails would be pounded into his hands and into his feet. He knew that being able to breathe on a Roman cross in crucifixion was impossible. And he knew that he would die. And he said yes anyway. For you and for me, for my sins. That's the biggest yes that anyone has ever expressed to anyone in this world. But he knew something else, right? He knew something else. He knew that uh, Jesus would go through, he knew that he was going to go through all of that stuff. And that uh, he knew that the pain of being separated from God was the hardest thing that anyone could ever do because that's what sin does. Sin separates us from being able to approach God. But because of the sacrifice, he knew that early that Sunday morning, his lungs were going to fill with air. And he knew that that stone was going to roll away. He knew that he was going to walk out of that grave a risen Savior. Jesus' yes even in the face of the hardest journey in the history of journeys, right? He knew that he would willingly do it and what it was going to take, and he offered himself willingly. He said yes, even though he knew the answer. God's plan is alive and well in our world. Last week, we talked about all the garbage that's going on, and we have a war now in our in our midst, not in our country, but um, abroad, and it's affecting all of us. There's so much uh, effort to try and erase the name of Jesus from this world. But the plan, God's plan is alive and well in this world, and all he does is invite us to say yes to him. He asks to say yes without a map. Our yes to God means that we're willing to follow him faithfully, regardless. That to be willing to experience the hardships of life and trust that God is with us the entire time, right? To be willing to embrace the joys of life, knowing that he's there in that time too. And he's willing to, um, that, that, that we're, uh, we have to be willing to set aside, you know, our opinions, and our agenda, and our inadequacies, 
and our insecurities and, and all the solutions that we want to pile on to the, to the problems that we face and get rid of all our selfishness and just say yes, yes to trusting, right? Yes to trusting that he will love you and that he will uh, to provide for us, that he will um, love us even though uh, he, he would love us enough to send his only son, Jesus, to die on that cross for our sins. And when we say yes to Jesus, we, we not only say that um, for the day-to-day things of our lives, right? But what we, what we, know, what we know is uh, we'll have a Savior that's guiding us through those things. That we, we have the security of knowing that God is with us and our yes. And throughout this journey of uncharted territory, we've, we've searched through a few questions. I'm going to invite the worship team to come on back up. And um, in a moment, we're going to sing the first verse in the chorus of uh, Power in the Blood again. But through this last three or four months, we've, uh, excuse me, weeks, it might have felt like months to you, um, over the, over the course of this, this time together of uncharted territory, we've posed a few questions. And today is the simplest one. Are you willing to give God your yes? But the, a few weeks ago we asked, what specific act, what specific act of obedience is Jesus asking of you? But you're delaying it. So, in other words... You're holding on to your yes. And in a, in a moment, we're going to just have some reflection time while they sing. And I want you to think about these things. What act of obedience is Jesus asking you to, to do? But you're just holding on to your yes. You're not quite sure. Maybe it's because you don't know the end game. You don't know the plan. You're unprepared. Okay? Another question, are, are you facing some seemingly impossible tasks in your life? Maybe this insurmountable uh, mountain peak after mountain peak, like the Corps of Discovery faced. And that you believe God's wanting you to do it, but you just don't feel ready. So basically, you're, God's asking us to say yes, but you don't feel like you're good enough. And then, Our last question, are you caught up in all these details of your life, right? The details that you know about, okay, and maybe the details that you don't know, okay? We don't get the opportunity to look around the corner and see where we're going to end up. And that's okay, because if we did, we wouldn't trust completely in what God could do for us. And so... um, in all these details of your life, you're keeping, is it keeping you from faithfully following God because you won't just give Him your biggest yes? Give Him your heart and say, God, I, I just want to follow you. I want to follow you for the rest of my life. And I know that there's going to be some rough things. There's going to be some times when I don't know. And, and that's what's important is you don't know. But God does. And you serve a Savior who knew what was going to happen to him well before it ever did. And he did it anyway. That's how much he loved us. So uh, they're going to sing. You can sing along as well. But I encourage you, 
Just take some time to pray. You can do that down here at the altar. They're always open for for you to come and pray. Maybe you want to seek somebody out here and and sit with them and pray with them. That's fine too, but I I want us to really reflect on what God is, is doing in your life today. What am I holding on to that I need to say yes to? What am I not prepared for, or at least feel that way? Because I can't trust God enough. I just need to say yes. All those little details. I encourage you to say yes today. So they're going to sing, and then we're going to have a little time of prayer, and then we're going to have a benediction and, and head out. So let's take some time and just reflect for a moment. for a Savior Is there healing that you need Is your heart completely broken Have you lost yourself in grief Are you buried in some peace Is your past the way you carry Are you desperate to be free There is power Power Wonder-working power Yeses being said all across this room. I encourage you today to understand that there is power in the blood. The blood of Jesus that was shed on the cross for us. And he knew what was going to happen and he said yes anyway. That's how important our yes is to him. I encourage you this week, if you're struggling, say yes. If you got something going on in your life that you have no control over, say yes. When you're looking for an answer that you just can't seem to find, maybe we just got to say yes first. Yes without a plan, it takes a whole lot of faith. But the reward, ask Abraham, 
right? The reward that God gives us is eternal. Amen? Let's pray. Father in heaven, we're, we're thankful that you are here today. We're thankful that your son Jesus said yes, knowing full well what the plan was. That he knew that being separated from you because of our sin was going to be the hardest thing he'd ever do. And he did it anyway. And the reward was Easter. It was a resurrection where Jesus walked out of that grave, a risen Savior, and that death and sin and hell had been defeated forever. If we just say yes. So Father, as we go today, we just give you our biggest yes. And we ask you to take us by the hand and lead us where you want us to go that you'll give us the faith of an Abraham to not even ask questions, but just go to the place that you're going to show us and know that the reward of your blessing is in tow as well. And Lord, we know that our biggest yes to you results in eternity, in heaven, worshiping the Almighty God. That's encouraging, God. We just ask so much of, uh, of you and we, we do so much and we pour so much on you we just pray for Father that you will guide us and direct us and that we have the ability to say yes to you we love you today in your precious precious name Amen 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 good day today hope you guys have a great afternoon come on back at 5 o'clock for Trivia Challenge, come back on Wednesday for Ash Wednesday service. Lots of great stuff planned. We look forward to the community being together. God bless. Have a great day. We'll see you next time.